Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. I'm seeing a lot more of a particular shade of blue this morning than I've seen in a while. <laughs> a sign of fall, right? With the Seahawks playing, go Hawks. Any Rams fans here? Okay. It is good, so good to be here, and um, we're going to be kind of launching into a, a bit of a topical theme over these next weeks, and uh, I'm a church kid. I grew up in the church, and so I, I learned, like, the language of the church. Like, every culture has its own language. We know that, right, depending on what country you came from, but then there are subcultures. That is a, a particular kind of distinctive values and beliefs and focuses within culture. So, uh, you know, if you're, a, if you're a Seahawks fan, right, that's a subculture. There's, like, language that you use and things that you know. Um, you don't even need to say the full, full, full sentences uh, when, you're a, when you're in a subculture because just one word is enough to communicate what you're thinking. In the Christian culture, there's similar words that we use. We just, we just sang in a couple of different songs, uh, about the name of Jesus being greater, um, trusting in the name of Jesus. That's a little foreign to fo- most folks, right? Like if, if I went up to Aaron and said, Aaron, I trust in your name. He'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right? But in the Christian culture, and really this is actually rooted in ancient kind of thinking, when you say you trust in the name of somebody, you're talking about the wholeness of who they are. Like the name of somebody indicates their attributes, their character, like the very depth of who they are. So when we sing, we trust in the name of Jesus. Most of us, a lot of us, know what that means. But if you didn't come from the Christian subculture, you might not. That might be new for you. The, the, the topic we're going to be walking, kind of focusing on over these next few weeks is a generic topic, generic in that this particular word can be applied in many different aspects of society and culture. But in the Christian context that has a lot of connotations to it. And the word is faith. We're going to be looking at faith over these next weeks and what is faith at its core? And then how does the Christian faith differ and cause us to live differently? So what I wanted to do to start out this particular series is I want to do a group kind of brainstorm together. And what I want you to do is just, I don't want you to put too much thought into it. Don't get too theological. But when you hear the word faith, what comes to mind? And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you, I don't often ask this, pull out your phone. Take, pull out your phone, and Noah's going to put something up on the, on the slide for us here. And I want you to go to do this. I want you to go to menti.com. Don't worry, it's not going to hack anything. This is trusted. And I want you to put in that code. So when you go to menti.com, it'll ask you for a code. Put in that particular code. And then we're going to see me. No, we weren't supposed to see me. Um, we're going to see the live responses. There we go. Uh, of, your, of your answer. So go to, go to menti.com, enter that code. You'll have, you can put in three different words. And then we're, this is a group brainstorm. When you think of faith, what comes to mind? So if this works in theory, we should start to see responses. We'll see. We'll see if it happens. Hey, okay. 
my code is not good. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times you check things out. So, yeah, you just, just, <laughs> lost, just lost faith. Give me one second. If this doesn't work, this is not that important. <laughs> I may have, I may have uh, put the wrong code in there, so let me just double check here. Oh, it's, it generated a new code. So Aaron, are you able to update that? I can give you the code. Or I can just tell you all right now. Try this. 5892. 5892. And then 6906. So 5892. 6906. 5892. I'll say it one more time. 6906. Oh, it's updated. Thank you. All right. Sorry about that. When you go with the free version, that's what you get. So. All right, now we see if it actually is going to populate on the screen. That'll be the next step. So. So, Aaron, it doesn't look like it's, po it's populating. It's showing on the screen. So, oh, there we go. Okay, so the bigger the word, the more people have, have chose that particular word. We've got 20 responses now so far. So. so we've got belief, God, Christ, spirit, confidence, believing, devout, standing on, dependence, saved, peace, protection. I don't know if that needs to be refreshed as people in, enter in more responses. Or you all are just, there we go. Oh, look at that. It just changed. <laughs> Standing on, Christ, sight, faith, saved, protection. Like a mustard seed. Somebody's thinking biblical there. I like that. We'll share these because uh, they get smaller as more folks punch them in, so they're probably harder to see. But we'll, we'll share these on our social media uh, as well. But thank you for participating in our little experiment, our little brainstorm experiment. So over the, over the next few weeks, we're going to be, explore, be exploring things about faith, what faith is, what it isn't, who has faith. I'll give you a hint on that, everyone. While the concept of faith can apply to all sorts of things, what we want to talk about as a church is we want to talk about some of the core truths of the Christian faith. And then we'll also most likely touch on some myths about faith as well. For some of you, maybe one of those myths is how faith is like some sort of superpower <laughs> that you can somehow muster up in yourself. Or some myths are that faith is opposed to science, that they don't somehow coexist together. Again, a myth. And the goal of examining all this together is for our faith to be defined so we understand what faith is. But most importantly, my hope is that for us as believers in Christ, our faith would grow. And in order for our faith to grow, we have to make our faith personal 
and central to our lives. And we need to be real with ourselves and with each other about the current state of our faith. Where are we at? So to kick off our series today, we're going to start by looking at one of the craziest stories in the Bible that takes place on a boat, in a lake, at night. And what sounds like the setting for some sort of horror movie is actually the place where we see this spectrum of faith that I think a lot of us can relate to. So if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 14. This will, the, the text will not be on the screen, so I encourage you to, to look it up yourself. Matthew chapter 14, one of the Gospels of Jesus, verses 25 through 33. Matthew 14, 25 through 33. This takes place kind of in the, in the center of Jesus' ministry and his life. This particular story on a lake in a boat at night happens right after Jesus had just fed thousands of people miraculously with just a few loaves and fishes. And after that, Jesus tells his disciples, get in a boat, get up, go across the lake, I'm going to I'm going to wander off by myself for a little bit. And so the disciples are are rowing in the boat, and things are not going well. The wind picks up, and they're rowing hard against the wind, and Jesus sees them on the other side of the lake. And verse 25 picks up in the story. It says this, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, this story brings up some questions, because in the center of the story is this statement, you little faith. I don't know where you come today as you entered into this building, how strong you feel your faith is, how weak you feel your faith is, or if you don't even know if you have faith. But the center of this story is that statement. And so this brings up some questions. What is faith? If Peter seemed to only have a little bit of it, what is it? What kind of faith do I have? Again, maybe you know, maybe you don't know. Another question we might ask is, what is the opposite of faith? If we have faith or we don't have faith. Another phrase we often use as it relates to faith is this idea of taking a step or a leap of faith. Maybe you've heard that before. 
And I don't know where the origin of that kind of imagery comes from in faith, but it may come all the way back to this story as Peter took a massive step of faith. What we see in Peter, in Peter is we see this kind of yo-yo of belief that many of us often have. First, there is fear. Jesus, is that you <laughs> out on the water? And then there's this confidence. Oh, it is you. Okay, I'm coming out. But then a minute later, uh-oh, I'm sinking. Fear again. And then there's this reaffirmation. Lord, save me, and he does. Many of us have experienced this in our own relationship with Christ. We're in one moment, we're all in. Yes, God, you can do anything. And the next moment, we're like, God, where are you? Can you really do what you said you would do? Can I really trust you? Can I really doubt you? This is the yo-yo of faith that so many of us experience. How do you define faith? We just brainstormed together just a moment ago, and most of those words, I think, were pretty accurate on how many of us think about faith. Sometimes the best way to tell how folks view faith is how they talk about faith. We say things like, I need more faith, or I've run out of faith, or I gotta have faith. You've got to keep the faith. Many of these phrases we've probably said before. Faith is often viewed as some sort of mind over matter superpower. I can just muster it up. I can just think hard enough. I can just believe enough. Something we can gather up. And it's often seen more as a state of mind or emotion rather than anything concrete. But that is not what faith is. Now, in the general sense, if you were to look up the definition of faith from the dictionary, um, you would find a version of, of this, that faith is a high degree of trust or confidence in something or someone. That's the Cambridge definition of faith, a high degree of trust or confidence in something or someone. So in that case, Faith is not something we just kind of try and produce. It's actually rooted in reality. Something or someone that we trust. So faith is not separate from reality in that way. Now, for most people in our culture, when we say faith, it's a synonym for religious belief. I often ask people the question, do you have a faith background? You want to make somebody squirm, ask that question when you first meet them, right? Do you have a faith background? I ask that question when I meet with city leaders and sports stars and all that because I want to know what kind of language am I going to be able to use with this particular person. For us in this room, our Christian faith is grounded in the person of Jesus. Reality. Specifically, it's grounded in what he taught and how he showed us to live. And we'll be unpacking that more today and in the days to come. So faith is high degree of trust and confidence in someone or something. For us, that's Jesus. What is the opposite of faith? We see this pretty clearly in the story we just read. The opposite of faith is fear. It's worry. It's doubt. Disbelief. 
I bet all of us can relate to this. Some people are afraid of a variety of things that they have to put their trust in in order to do something. So if you've ever flown in an airplane, right, you have to put your trust in the manufacturer of that airplane, in the pilots of that airplane. We're, this is particularly personal for us in this room because just down the hill, those airplanes are made. In fact, I flew in one last week, a 737 that was made in Renton. I've never felt so personally attached to an airplane before. I literally have met people that have punched holes and put rivets, been in charge of putting the wings on those planes. Sometimes that kind of familiarity gives you more trust. Sometimes it gives you less, right? <laughs> so if you're, if you're afraid to fly, then you have a reason that's rooted in fear and worry. That's the opposite of faith. The very first time I ever jumped off a cliff into water was when I was living in Hawaii. And I was about 40 feet up, and I was looking down, and the ocean was too clear. I could see to the bottom. And the bottom was about 40 feet deep, plenty deep to jump off this cliff. But because I could see the bottom, it just messed with me. And it was tall. I'm not a big fan of heights. And I was there with a group of guys, and the whole goal was like, this is going to be bonding time. Let's go jump off a cliff. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And... We get there, and literally there's the one guy that, like, as soon as we got out of the car, he's, like, taking his shirt off, running, and jumps, like, does a backflip off the thing, and, you know, sets the tone for the rest of us. And one by one, I was like, oh, you go. No, you go. You go. <laughs> I got next. I was the last one. I'm not ashamed to admit this. I was the last one. I had seen about 10 guys jump successfully and live into the water and climb back out, and some of them had done it a second time. And then they realized, Andrew hasn't done it yet. And they did the worst thing for somebody that's afraid is they started the countdown. Ten, nine. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> I could see that everything was going to be okay. I had seen people demonstrate everything was going to be okay. But in my mind, I, my fear was still greater than any degree of confidence I had. Eventually, I did do it. Twice to prove that I was a man the second time. <laughs> what about our Christian faith, though? What kind of fears do we encounter? Will God really come through? Does he really care for me? Is he really there at all? The opposite of faith is what often keeps us where we are, keeps us from knowing God. Now, Peter was a fisherman, which means that when he's in this boat and he's struggling against the wind and the waves, that he is very experienced in this. He knows how wind and waves work better than most. He knows the dangers of them. He probably has stories of friends that have died at sea. And that's why when he saw Jesus walking on the water, his initial thought was, that's not a living person. Like, that's just not possible. It's got to be, what? A ghost. But with just one word, come. He was willing to change his mind about everything he had ever experienced in his life up to that point. 
Think about that. Everything he knew up until that point, he was willing to have a change of mind about it and get out and walk on water. This kind of faith is central to Christianity. When Jesus talks about repenting, it's literally a change of mind. That what we once thought was the truest thing, maybe isn't as true. Maybe Jesus really is who he says he is. For most people, faith is a noun. Faith is a noun. Now, if you're not an English person, (laughs) English major, that means it's focused primarily on what we believe. It's about information. My faith is about what I believe, information internally. But for faith to be fully formed, it also has to be a verb. In other words, there has to be action behind it. And so faith is belief, internal knowledge, but it is also trust about what we believe to be true. In other words, for Peter, he believed it was Jesus, noun. He trusted it was Jesus' verb by stepping out of the boat when Jesus said, come. If it's really faith, it demands a response. Action must be accompanied with it. Peter seemed to have that, didn't he? Until (laughs) he started to sink. And what happened? Again, the fear, the worry, the doubt. Let's read those words again. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said these words, You of little faith, why did you doubt? You of little faith, why did you doubt? How many of us have read those words and and actually feel them deeply in our own relationship with Christ? And we actually feel those words in a condemning way. Oh, we failed again. Oh, we've come up short. Oh, I've disappointed God again. And what that causes us to do is not to take another step, but to retreat, to give up. There's a couple of other places in Scripture where Jesus says these words to people. You of little faith. They're often when people are worried about something or needing provision. Oh, you're worried about where the food's going to come from? You have little faith. God is going to provide. You're worried about the clothes? You have little faith. If God cares about the birds of the air, how much more does he care about you? Now, I want to say this. Please hear this clearly. If in the past you have read those words as condemnation or disappointment, let me encourage you to read them differently. Instead of being words of disappointment, I believe that when Jesus said these words, they were actually an appeal of relationship. Oh, will you trust me? Don't you know I have the best in mind for you? Oh, you still doubt, but that's okay. I'm right here. When my son was really little, we had a staircase in our house. It was my firstborn son. And I remember coming down just a few steps. And I said, jump to me. Jump to me. 
And he would get to the, to the step. And I mean, I could almost reach out and touch him. I was just, a, just an arm's length away. And he would look at the steps, and he would look at me, and he couldn't do it. He was too scared. This is a, this is a new experience for him. Do I, really, do I really trust my father to catch me? And I, and I was encouraging him, please, come on, I got you. Everything's going to be okay. And eventually when he learned to jump to me, he learned that to be true. I believe that is the heart of Jesus when he says, you of little faith. He's saying, no, no, no. Do you not trust me? Come on. I've got you. And so when we have read these words as, as words of condemnation, we have then begun to add to the doubt, add to the fear about ourselves and our position with Jesus. What Jesus is actually doing is he's reaffirming the relationship that he desires to have with us. Peter's faith was small, but it was still enough for him to be counted as a friend of Jesus. It was still enough for him to take a step when it didn't make sense to take a step. And so at the heart of our Christian faith isn't the ability to to muster up a feeling or squash a certain percentage of doubt. Okay, if I get... 50, 49% doubt that I'm good. When we think about those, about faith in those terms, it becomes more about us and less about the one in whom we trust and believe. The heart of the Christian faith is Christ. God in the flesh who revealed himself in Jesus When asked if it was truly him out on the water, Jesus' response was, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus gives us faith. And Jesus is the source of our faith. The author of Hebrews says it this way, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus He is the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Some versions say the author and the perfecter. He he created faith, and he works it to its perfection in our lives. So faith is a gift from God revealed to us in the person of Jesus. I can't tell you time and time again the stories of people that I have gotten to know over the years that have had this revelation of Jesus. They put their faith in Jesus, their trust in him, and they are surprised that God would see me. They're overwhelmed at what they have just received, and they're overjoyed at what this means now for them moving forward, that the God of the universe would love them in this way. And so at the heart of the Christian faith is Jesus. But what allows us to trust and believe in him is his invitation. Come. Come. This is an invitation into relationship. Do you know him? Do you trust him? Do you believe that his blessings are for you in such a way that you will also follow his commands? My son and I, Jude, 16 years old now, we were worshiping together this morning. And I was thinking, I knew I was going to tell that little story, but I was thinking about my son who is now a man. Just a teeny bit shorter than me now. That's fine. Just keep it right there. 
My son knows that I love him. And when I ask him to do things, he knows that the things I ask him to do are good things. That I don't do it to control him or to manipulate him, but I do it for his best in mind. He knows that he's blessed to be in our family, but he also knows that those blessings are even better when he follows the ways of our family. And it's the same thing that Jesus desires for us. When we get to know his heart, then we also can trust his ways, that there becomes verb to our faith. And so I just want to close with this. If you are here this morning with a a little faith, then that is enough. For Peter, it was enough to cry out in that moment as he began to sink. Jesus, Lord, save me. And Jesus did. That's as much faith as you need. If you have enough faith to cry out and to take a step, you have enough faith to be in relationship with the God of all creation. He doesn't look at you with disappointment or shame. He looks at you with love and with invitation. A little faith is enough to change everything. And I'll say this. The scariest place to be isn't on the water walking toward Jesus. It's in the boat, unwilling to trust him, unwilling to go to Jesus. This morning, I don't whether it's online or here in this room, I know there are some people that are in the boat. They are unwilling to trust Jesus. They're unwilling to take that, that step. They, they have some intellectual information about Jesus, enough to, to get them to own a Bible or to attend church occasionally. But they haven't put their trust in Jesus. And I'll leave you with this, this last interesting thought. Oftentimes... When God would show up in front of people, as we see it's recorded in Scripture, the first response is fear. Now, there's probably a couple of reasons for that. One is, it's God. He's so holy and so powerful, and it's so unexpected that you would see some sort of manifestation of him right before you. But I think there's another reason for that fear. When God shows himself in that way, it exposes our sin, and it makes us realize either I have to believe in him or not. And that fear can cause us to rethink everything in such a way that we are like, I don't want that. Some people are afraid of God because they're afraid of laying down their own lives and following Jesus. They're afraid of the implications of that. But what Jesus wants us to be reminded of as we see in his interactions is that We were meant to be with him. We were meant to follow him and to trust him. He is the good shepherd. And so again, the scariest place to be isn't on the water walking toward Jesus. It's in the boat, unwilling to trust him. So today, as we close our time together, I pray that we would be reminded, first of all, that a little faith is enough. That if you place your faith in Jesus, you can be confident that he loves you and that you're with him. And number two, if you haven't taken that step, don't wait. He is waiting for you. The invitation is here. Come. So as the worship team comes back up, let's meditate on these truths of who Jesus is. Let me close us in prayer. Father, this morning we thank you.
We thank you for these stories that are preserved that highlight what we can relate to, our fears, our doubts, our worries. And yet right there in the midst of those things, you are present, inviting us to come, beckoning us to trust you to take that step. Jesus, this morning I pray we would be those types of people, that we would have fully formed faith, that we would believe you with our mind, that we would trust you with our actions and our lives that we would be willing to receive your blessings, but also follow your commands so they are good. They are so good. Would you bring freedom here this morning to do that? Freedom for those that are still in the boat, afraid to follow you. Freedom from those that have believed lies about their relationship with you. And Lord God, would you truly in these next weeks as a church family grow our faith because it's in you. Reveal yourself more and more, we pray. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.